thanks for tuning in to this week's message on the Antioch Indie Podcast. We're a church that exists to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to make others great. We hope you encounter Jesus today while you listen to this message. Have an amazing day. Praise God. Somebody give God a shout of praise in the house. How many of you thankful? We are thankful to be in the house of God. I'm just going to pray. Spirit of the living God. You are the teacher, the counselor. You're the one who leads us into all truth. I say, come and teach us. Lead us this morning. Overflow in this place. Lord, let it not just be lyrics to a song, but be a reality in our hearts and our spirits this morning. Loose a trembling and a shaking. Shift us from one place, God, into the place of your heart, we pray this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Friday night... We, did the, we started out uh, talking about moving from believers to witnesses, becoming a witness. And uh, right after I started preaching, after I finished, literally the moment I stepped off this platform, I got hit with probably the most intense pain in my stomach I've ever felt. Um, all night I wrestled in pain. All weekend I've been shaky, achy, um, and battling with my stomach. I actually have a big bottle of Pepto-Bismol. I have to buy the Zanacos some new Pepto. Uh, And during worship, I felt like the Lord says, this is a word to the church. And in Revelation 10, it says, let's see, look what happens when you use electronic Bibles. You need a paperback. In Revelation 10, it says, Then the voice that I heard in verse nine from heaven spoke to me again saying, go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth, it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and I ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. I feel the Lord right now. I feel like the Lord is saying that even as I've come to deliver a message to you about becoming witnesses, moving from believers to witnesses, There is a realm of encounter that is gonna open up over the families and the individuals in this church, those who are connected to Antioch Indy. You are about to step into a new realm of supernatural encounter like you've never known before. And it's gonna be sweet and it's gonna be awesome, but it's gonna make your stomach bitter because it's gonna actually lose a burden and you're gonna carry something from heaven that you have a responsibility to steward. And it's actually a, a prophetic sign to cities, to kingdoms, to nations. There is an ends of the earth calling on this people in this house. If God has connected you here, God is loosing an assignment to you and it starts today in Jesus' name. 
Now, some of you are going to go, well, that's weird. I don't know who this guy is. I've never been to church like this. This is freaky. Pastor Andrew, why did you let him in? Just trust me. If it doesn't happen, I'm a false prophet. But I'm here to tell you that God is a God who speaks today, and he raises up apostolic and prophetic witnesses today, and he has you in this seat today because he wants to make you more than just a believer. He wants to show you his goodness, his mercy, his beauty, his glory, his splendor, and make you an eyewitness of his majesty. I'm not mad, I'm happy. Some of you are like, it's, is he scared? I'm, he's scary, I'm scared. All right. So Acts 4 is where we see Peter and John. Okay, come on up, brother. That's a good word. And too often, uh, it's easy to stay in our seats. And I just feel like right now, the Lord is stirring that they're, I don't care if it's one of you. I know it's, I know it's me, so I'll be there. But I just feel like, um, it's so easy to hear a word even out of Revelation 10. It's for the nations, for the this. And he's gonna share a message. I'm gonna spoil your title. The gloves are off. He's continuing our series. He's talking about the gloves are off my city. The gloves are off my city. And I think it's so powerful. This message he's about to preach is it's about my city. Mine. And I think that just right now, just with this word that God's stirring in you, I think that this is just a moment a little moment for, for, I need to respond to it. I don't know if anybody else does, but there's a, there's a deeper mind that needs to drop into our hearts right now. A mind for the nations. My, for my calling that God's put on me for him and for his people. It's my city. It's my responsibility. It's my responsibility to come and rend my heart. It's my responsibility to receive my Jesus, to receive my word from God that's to be planted in my heart so that I can produce a harvest for my God. So I can come into my father's house. This isn't Andrew's church. This isn't my neighbor's church. This is my church. This is my house. You are my guest in my house today. You are my neighbor. You are mine. You are mine. And I think that there's a moment of faith right now that God's just inviting you to step out in faith right now to say, uh, the word today is mine. <laughs> Whatever he's about to say, it's mine. And so if that's starting you, for those of you standing, if anybody else uh, I just, if, you, if you're able, if you're not, that's fine. This, this isn't like the key to it. But I just feel like the Lord's saying that like, some of us need to come just sit right here on the front. <laughs> just come and sit and receive it right here. And so some of you are getting stirred and you need to do that. And some of you can't sit on the floor and that's fine. Uh, but it's more about your heart, opening up your heart. But just if you're, if you, if you're feeling that, however you wanna sit or kneel or whatever it is that you wanna do, we don't need to wait to the end to respond, amen? And like, JT said, this might be new. We've never done this in our church before. If you're, so if you're new today and you're like, do they do this every week? It's like, maybe we do now. <laughs> but see, just the thing is, if we don't take the moments, then what, everything we just saying is a game. Right? And so if this makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry, I love you, but we love responding to Jesus more than we love ourselves, <laughs> more than we love our own comfort and everything. And so you're, you're welcome to be uncomfortable. It's not that comfortable for me, but I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry, right? How many of you know when you're hungry enough, you find a way to eat. It doesn't matter how good it feels. <laughs> but I wanna eat something as sweet as honey this morning. So Lord, we come and speak your word. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, increase Holy Spirit. God, stirrings in our hearts, stirrings in our belly. Lord, out of the belly flows rivers of living water. 
God, we ask for rivers of living water to flow in our spirits, Lord, in our bellies, Lord. All over this room, God, we thank you. We loose the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We say we cannot go forward without you. We don't want to go without your presence, Lord. We don't want to hear just another good message, Father. We want to be touched from heaven. We want to see Jesus, God. Lord, we, 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 Andrew is a powerful preacher, God. Others are, are powerful, but Lord, we want to see your face and hear your voice. Come, Holy Spirit. Let us leave this place transformed. In Jesus' name. So as we just rest in the presence of God, there's no way I'm gonna get through this sermon, and it's good. Yeah. Got the sermon in the first service, and so now we'll just encounter Jesus together. Is that all right? Yeah. See, in Acts 4, the witnesses, Peter and John, had been with Jesus. They got arrested because they're preaching the gospel. 5,000 people got saved, and uh, the Sadducees the, and the authorities in Jerusalem were threatened. And it says in Acts 4:13 that these men had been with Jesus. Everybody could see the countenance of Jesus on their faces. You see, when you've been in the presence of God, it changes you. When you really encounter God, your face will emanate and will reflect the glory upon which you've just encountered. In fact, the Bible says you become like what you look at. I can look around this room and tell who your idols are. I can tell who your heroes are. I can tell what TV shows you watch the most because your eyes and your face actually reflects what you look at. So when we look at Jesus, we begin to look like him. And so Peter and John says, we can't help but speak about what we have seen and heard. They became witnesses of the glory in the heavens and the majesty. And they said, we cannot help but declare what we've experienced. And so I, I mentioned on Friday that witnesses are created in the realm of, of encounter with Jesus. There's a place, a realm of wonder where you encounter God and you move from, hey, I just believe God is good. I believe that Jesus is Savior. So once you experience the salvation, the deliverance, the glory, the majesty, the goodness of God, you can't be convinced, you can't be talked out of what you believe. Because you've moved beyond belief into experience and into encounter. You're now a witness. Okay? Any witnesses in the house today? Anybody have a testimony of something God has done in your life? Raise your hand if you have a testimony of something God has done in your life. So nobody can talk you out of your testimony. An atheist can say, well, that didn't happen. Look, you weren't there. I saw it. I was dead and now I'm alive. Do you understand what I'm saying? God wants to move us out of the outer courts and into the Holy of Holies. This is our portion. This is our destiny. This is our glory. After God makes you a witness, he connects you to an assignment. He gives you an assignment that's connected to the land. Acts 17 says that he's determined the pre-appointed boundaries and times of our dwellings. None of you had a say in what family you would be born into and what city you would be born into. None of you, no matter how smart or, or, or controlling or whatever you want to be, the bottom line is you had no say in it. God determined who your parents would be and where you would be born and what time and season in which you would be born. 
And so he connects people to place. And after you become a witness, he sent the disciples. He said, now go into all the nations, right? Go into the lands, go among the people groups and make disciples of the nations. Teach them my ways. Bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth. God is rezoning the whole earth. He says the kingdoms of, of our God, uh, of, of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. God has given his son Jesus an inheritance in every nation and every tribe and every tongue. In fact, you are not your own. Your life is not your own. You don't have the ability or the privilege to make your own decisions about your life because Jesus says you have been bought with a price. Your life belongs to God. And the places where you live, the deed on your house does not belong to you. It belongs to God. Your finances do not belong to you. They belong to God. Your children do not belong to you. They belong to God. Your wife does not belong to you. Your husband does not belong to you. We are stewards of God's creation. We are but stewards, temporarily passing through, sojourning through this earth for one purpose, that the nations might see and know their creator. So God promises land as an inheritance to his people. In Numbers 13, we see that Israel has passed through the wilderness. They're on their way to Canaan, which is the promised land. And uh, God tells Moses in number 13 to send surveys, send spies to spy out the land. So they go and they look and see what's in the land. And uh, they come out of the wilderness. God prepares witnesses in the wilderness. In the, in the place of hardship, they come out of the wilderness to go cross over after 40 years into the promised land. And the spies in verse 27 come back and they say this. We went and we saw the land of milk and honey. We saw its fruit. But the people who live there are very powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. And they're, they're like scared. They're trembling. Moses, the Amalekites live there. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they all live there. The Canaanites live there. How in the world can we take this land when there are so many giants, when there are so many adversaries? And suddenly Caleb stands up and says, Silence! We should go up and take possession of the land. Surely, surely God will do it for us. We can do this. Stop your whining and complaining. Verse 31, we see that the descendants of Anak, the Nephilim giants, are actually literal physical giants are in the land. They go, we look like grasshoppers compared to them. How in the world, why in the world would God bring us out of slavery take us 40 years through the desert, do all these miracles and all these things, and then make us have to go into the promised land and fight giants. God, why would you do this? So Israel starts complaining, this is wrong. This is bad. God, you've left us. You should have just killed us in the wilderness. Why would you make us fight giants? Listen, the promises of God are sure, but he does not promise you safety. 
The promises of God are sure, but he doesn't say the promise is going to come without a fight. Every single one of you have a giant that, that needs to be slain. And God empowers his witnesses to do what is impossible through supernatural means. The only way that God will call you into a promise is that he's going to set a giant in front of you so that when everybody looks and sees the testimony, they know that it wasn't you who did it. It was God who slayed the giants on your behalf and established the testimony for you. I'm glad I got a witness on the right-hand side of the room. This is what I'm trying to say. The sin of Israel was, oh no, we thought it was smooth sailing from here, but it's not. God has left us. No, God is looking to establish a strength and a boldness and a courage and a fortitude in you. He's not just going to hand it over. Somebody say contend. We need a contending faith. We need a contending spirit. God is not looking for lily-livered Christians. We broke back mountain Christians. This is what I'm trying to talk about. God is looking for you to have a spine where you can stand in the goodness of God and you can stand when times are rough. You can stand when there's somebody standing in your face and saying it's impossible. And you can stand before God and say, Lord, I have not swerved from the heavenly vision. In Acts 1.8, we see the spirit of God poured out on the witnesses in Jerusalem, poured out on everyone gathered at Antioch so that they could become witnesses and carry this gospel to the ends of the earth. That was the spirit that Caleb had. God was going to strike Israel and destroy them because of their complaining, but Moses interceded and he says, God says, I'll just make a great nation out of you and Caleb. All the rest of these fools, I'm done. But Moses says, no, 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 God, don't do that for the sake of your name. There's certain things that you've complained and grumbled against, and God has still blessed it, not because he loves you so much, which he does, but mainly because of the, the zealous uh, joy of his heart and his name. He says, for the sake of my name, I'm going to spare you, and I'm still going to have mercy on you, and I'm still going to make you successful. Do you understand what I'm saying? But in Ezekiel 48... We see the tribes have now taken the land and God is, a, is an urban planner. We started in the fields in the garden and the whole of human history ends in a city. It ends with the city of God in Revelation coming down out of heaven and the whole earth being filled with his glory and Jesus the king ruling and reigning over the nations. And so in Ezekiel 48, they've taken, they come into Canaan and God has now given and assigned land to the tribes. Then he tells them through exacting precision with exact measurements, he tells them exactly what to build and how to build it. Exactly how high, how long the gates of the city will be, how many gates will be at every part of the city. And the long story short is after God has built a city, God gives the tribes of Israel land, then he builds a city on the land. What he does is he names the city that he built. And in Ezekiel 48, 35, he says, and the name, everybody read that, and the name of the city from that time on shall be. How many of you have ever been to a city called the Lord is there? 
Where are you going on vacation? We're going to the waters there. See, Satan has named cities. Ever heard of Sin City? See, Satan is claiming cities. There, Satan has raised up builders and architects to, to create districts. Anybody ever heard of the red light district? See, there are districts, and in Ezekiel, we hear about holy districts. Somebody say holy district. How bizarre. What if God is looking for an Antioch ending with a people who are crazy enough to believe that a whole city could become a holy district? We're going to America's holy district. We're driving to Indianapolis and you're driving through Ohio with cancer on your body and tumors hanging off. And as soon as you cross over into the city of Indianapolis, the cancer dries up because God is there. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is. Look, I'm here to, to, to invite you into something crazy. How many of you have faith for something stupid and, and like and unbelievable? Because the Bible says, I will do above what you can ask or think. So if I'm thinking it, it's a low thought. He wants to do above what you're thinking. I know you're brilliant. I got engineers in here, architects, all that kind of stuff. But God says, no, no, no. I, if you can think it, then it's low. Because I do far and above that. So I was minding my business three months into a time of fasting and prayer in 2007. I'm in this room and I had the door closed and I'm like, God, I'm not coming out until you meet with me. I'm not coming out. And every day I have tears and chills and stuff, but yet nothing had like significantly happened. And I'm reading Habakkuk 3, which says, Lord, I have heard of your great fame, but renew your works in my day. And I'm going, God, if you could speak to Moses face to face, God, if you can speak to Elijah, God, if, you, if Isaiah saw you with his own eyes high and lifted up, God, why will you not do that for me in my day? I want to hear your voice. I want to see your faith. I'm tired of living in bored Christianity. I'm tired of living on the outskirts. God, I want to see you. So I'm in there. Three o'clock in the afternoon, minding my business. And I hear the Lord. I heard a voice, look at the star. And I'm like, whoa, who said that? I hear it loud, look at the star. I'm trembling. Yo, that was not my wife's voice. (laughs) I go over to the window and I open the window. I look out the window and I see the sun. And I was like, okay, I see you, God. I see, that's a big star right there. The sun, like I'm looking at the sun. No, look at the star. I'm like, okay, is there a star that's gonna like materialize in the the atmosphere now? Like, you know, what's gonna happen? And I'm looking, I go out and my wife's in the kitchen making cookies or something, like chocolate chip cookies. And she's looking at me wild-eyed. I'm walking all over the house, looking around. She's like, what is wrong with this fool right now, you know? And, uh, I see the kitchen, on the dining room table, the Indianapolis star. Oh, I got you, God, look at the star, okay, okay. So I pick up the the, the newspaper, 
And like in 3D, I see the Indianapolis Star. And right underneath the, the title, it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And it was like in 3D, and the Lord says, that same voice, see, I have placed my name on this city. Will you contend for my name? Everybody say contend. Will you contend for my name in this city? And the thing is, when God places his name on something, he doesn't just put his name on anything. If, if any of you are like designers or, or something, if you put your name on it, it has to represent you well. If you get married and you take on somebody's name, I've heard it said that after 20, 30, 40 years of marriage, uh, married couples often start looking like each other. They take on each other's attributes. I've actually seen some people who have had dogs for like 14 years and they look like they dogs. You know what I'm talking about? When something becomes a part of your family, when something takes on your name, it takes on your attributes. And God began to teach me his attributes and he said, I have chosen Indianapolis and I have placed my name on her and she will look like me. And it's going to be a witness. It's going to be a prophetic witness and a sign to the nations of what the new Jerusalem is going to look like. There's a city coming down. And before that city comes, God is going to raise up whole cities and regions that have some of the attributes of what the new Jerusalem is going to have in its economy in its educational system, in its government, in its, in its literal governance on the earth. Could you imagine Indianapolis's crime rate decreasing to the point that nobody's getting killed, no crime is happening because the presence of God is resting on the streets? Could you imagine you guys, the Lord actually speaking to you and God raising up police officers who hear God's voice and they know where crimes are happening before the crime happens? They have their training, the prophetic, and the word of knowledge, and police officers are on the scene waiting on the guy to break in the room. Sorry, bro. God told me you were going to be doing this. this. This crime's not happening today. Isaiah 48 says, see, I do a new thing. Will you not declare it? Things you've never even heard of before. God is looking to rezone this city. But you got to take the gloves off. Everybody say, take the gloves off. You got to take the gloves off. There's been a mocking spirit when UFC fighters face each other. When they're going to fight, they do a weigh-in and they face off. They get right in each other's face. And oftentimes, in that moment, one of them, they'll play my games. Nah, I'm going to slaughter you, man. Sorry, bro. This ain't your fight. This is not your day. And right now, some of you came in here this morning, and I saw the enemy in your face. This is not your day. This is not your fight. There's nothing good for you. You're a failure. Your family is a failure. Your job is a failure. You're no good. You're this. The enemy has been in your face. Somebody say gloves off. When these UFC fighters face each other, a lot of times they have their gloves off. But what happens is right before they get into the ring, they put their gloves on because they want protection, right? They face each other with the gloves off like they about to brawl, but it's like, all right, 
Then the trainer turns around and puts the gloves on. And the gloves on is for, for protection. But if you have your gloves off, you have to say, God, you said that this is my land and I'm to possess the land. There are giants and they're taunting me in my face. I'm taking my gloves off and at the risk of everything, I'm going fully after your word. I'm going to risk it all to lay hold of everything that you have. I'm laying caution to the side. I'm going after my city, my city. Somebody say my city. The other thing is when fighters come out, they come out with a robe on and a hoodie on. Bunch, 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 bunch. That's how they come out. And then they take the robe off, right? Somebody say robes on. See, God doesn't want you to take your robe off. He wants you to take your worldly robe off and put your kingdom robe on. You see, in Isaiah 61, it says, he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. The enemy wants to tell you you're not worthy, you're not righteous, you're not worth it, you're not a success, you're not this. But you have to say, no, 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 I am righteous, I am right, I am a son, I am a daughter of God, I have been redeemed, I have been set free, I am not who I used to be. The enemy has no hold on me. Do I have a witness in the house today? He says, get on your robe of righteousness. And then... We look at, at the prodigal son who had lived below his worth and below his inheritance and left his father's house. And he was so ashamed, he just wanted to be in the father's house. So he comes back home and he says, well, I don't expect my dad to receive me as a son anymore. So I'm not going to I'm not gonna uh, even expect him to, to receive me that way. I just, I'll just be a slave in his house. But his father had seen him coming from a long way off. And today there's some of you in this place and you got dragged to church or you, you're only here. You don't feel worth being here. You ran away from God or maybe you've never even come close to him because you didn't feel like it was time because you don't have your life together. But the father sees you from a long way off and he says, I've got a robe for you. The father saw the prodigal son and he said, go bring my best robe and robe him in it. Then he said, put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. Why did he put a ring on his finger? He put a ring on his finger because it was a signet ring. And a signet ring is like a notary seal. It's the ring that shows whose family you're a part of and what kind of authority you have. You put it in wax when you seal a note and it, and it shows authenticity. With that ring, I, I, I have authenticity. I have authority to represent my father and represent my family. So he says, son, I don't want you to even take a shower. Somebody just put the robe on him and clothe him in, my, in, in the royal garments of righteousness of my love, the father's love. Clothe him and then give him authority. Go give him land. Go give him uh, uh, authority to go and move in my name. See, when Joseph ascended in, in Pharaoh's house, Pharaoh took off his signet ring and put it on him. And now Joseph had the authority. Anything Joseph wrote, if it had the seal of Pharaoh on it, which was on his finger, it was the word. It was the law of the land. God is not going to call Antioch Andy. God is not going to call you to go contend for a city without a robe and a ring. 
He's going to clothe you in the linens that you need to fulfill the assignment of God in your job, in your, in your community, in your school. There's a school teacher in here, and God wants to give you the school. No, seriously, God wants the whole school. There are some of you, you're in certain areas of business and God wants to exalt you. I mean, he wants to promote you, not for your exaltation, but for the exaltation of Jesus. God's not going to give you an assignment without giving you the clothing and the authority you need for it. But see, you can't put the ring on if you got your gloves on. You got to take the glove off to put the ring on. Finally, this quick story. My dad, my mom died many years ago and my dad got remarried. And he said, JT, he said, well, he didn't call me JT, Jonathan. He said, uh, I want you to do the wedding. I want you to officiate the wedding. He says, but do you have a robe? And I was like, nah, dad, I don't, I don't you know, I don't preach in most places where I need a robe. And he's like, what's wrong with you, son? Every black preacher needs a robe. He's like, I want you to wear a robe. Go get you a robe. So I look online and I find out that robes are very expensive, like crazy expensive. So I get on eBay and I found a robe for $25 and it ended in an hour. The auction ended in an hour. So I, I, I bid on it and uh, I go to a church service. I visit a church. This was here in Indy when we lived here in Indy. I visited a church on the west side and there was a guest speaker from Zimbabwe and he's preaching. At that time, I felt so dead on the inside. I felt like I wasn't hearing God's voice. I'm like, Lord, I must be in sin. What is wrong? Why is my life so dry right now? Finances are dried up. Spiritual life is dried up. Relationships dried up. Everything dry. And he preaches. He says, there's some of you in here. You feel like everything is dried up. You've even asked God, have I sinned against you? And he says, you wonder why you don't operate in, in the love of God like you used to, why you're not as gifted as you used to be, why you're not as zealous or anointed as you used to be. And of course, he's saying it in his African accent, why you're not as gifted as you used to be? You know, like, and it's just like super anointed because it's just an accent, you know what I'm saying? But the bottom line is he's preaching and he goes, Samuel, Hannah used to knit a new robe for Samuel every year while Samuel ministered in the temple of God. And it wasn't because uh, uh, he just needed a new robe. It was because he had outgrown last year's robe. Some of you are on a journey with God and you, you used to feel great in this area of your life in God, but you outgrew that place. And so now you need a change of your garments. And he says, you need a new robe. And he's pointing right at me and I'm like, ah! So I get out of that service and I go home and I open my laptop and it said, congratulations, you have a new robe. It comes in the mail about five days later, and on the package it said, from eBay member Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 talks about the fivefold giftings, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor, all that. And it talks about growing up into maturity in the fullness of God. And as I'm pulling the robe out, I hear the Lord say, this is about a wedding. See, I bought the robe for my father's wedding, but the Lord says, I, there's a great wedding day where heaven is marrying the earth, where the bridegroom is coming out and he's going to receive his bride. And he says, I'm robing sons and daughters who are going to prepare the bride for the great wedding day. 
this morning, I want you to know that there's a new assignment. Would you stand with me? There's a new assignment that God is giving you to take this city, to see a city called the Lord is there because if the Lord is here, there's freedom. There's liberty in this place. If the Lord is in your city, in your neighborhood, in your business, in your family, in your home, in your church, in your region, where the Lord is, nothing can stand against that. Nothing can stand in the presence of God. No enemy has power or authority, but God is wanting to give you a new cloak, a new robe of righteousness. For the prodigals, he's saying return this morning. For those of you who feel like you're not qualified for the assignment that God has, has uh, placed upon you, the reality is you can't do nothing apart from him, but he wants to release a fresh power on your life this morning. If you feel like that's you, would you just raise your hand even now? And I'm gonna pray, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Would you release fresh grippings of grace? fresh stirrings of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm asking right now that you would cause faith to arise in this room. Lord, I thank you that you are robing sons and daughters. You're saying, you are my son, you are my daughter, in whom I am well pleased. I don't care where you've been, I only care about where you're going. Right now, the Lord is setting you on a new trajectory this morning, and he's putting a ring on your fingers. He's gonna give you authority to do everything he's asked you to do. You just need to be faithful to the heavenly vision. Lord, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, loose divine grippings and stirrings now. Lord, in their bellies, let rivers of living water begin to flow. Some of you are feeling heat in your belly right now. You're feeling, some of you, like a, a coolness on your hands. That's actually the Holy Spirit washing over you. Lord, we thank you for loosing it now. And we just invite those who want to return to the Lord fully a full return this morning in Jesus' name. So we're going to respond like we always do. We want to thank you again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can check us out on social media at Antioch Indy or go to our website, www.antiochindy.com.